one child to rule them all? This week we watched Willow. You're watching the VHS Files. Welcome back to the channel. And today we're talking about Willow from 1988, directed by Ron Howard. I think it's a film that, you know, if you watched it when you were a youngster, you could watch it again now, and it gives you that kind of warm feeling of familiarity. I'm Josh, your host. I'm joined by Eric and Jason, as always. Since Willow is a kind of in the uh, zeitgeist right now, you got the TV show on Disney+. Plus. We decided to go back and watch the movie because it's been a while for most of us, I think. Just want to say thank you so much for everybody who's been watching. Thank you for subscribing, commenting, liking, all of that good stuff. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing great. Doing great, man. Uh, ready to talk some 80s fantasy. You're the one who's always big into wanting to do the fantasy movies, right, Eric? You you, you kind of have a thing for fantasy movies, I would say, right? Uh, sure, yeah. I, I, I do love the 80s fantasy. I, I could certainly do more. Jason, where do you fall on, on the on the fantasy movies? Uh, like, I know you're always talking about Beastmaster and whatnot. We've talked about Conan on the show before. So are you a fan of the 80s fantasy movies? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, like you said, Beastmaster, childhood favorite. Uh, even this was uh, I watch many, many times. But uh, even the, the, the ones that weren't so big in the theaters like this was uh, like Crawl, mm -hmm, uh, yeah. Labyrinth, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, the fantasy films have always been fun. So this was definitely a fun one as a child. And frankly, I, I like fantasy. You know, I, I, I'm, I think, the biggest gamer, so to speak, in this group. You're the Lots only gamer great, in yeah, this Yeah, you're the, you're the only gamer in the group. <laughs> a lot of great fantasy, you know, video games, obviously, going all the way back to Zelda and Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy, <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, just... I, just finished playing uh, the new God of War game. Lots of great fantasy. Uh, always fun to have magic and monsters and, you know, swashbuckling. And Well, you got plenty of magic and monsters in Willow, so let's go ahead and get into our discussion about it. Uh, Willow released in 1988. Mr. Eric, will you please fire up the flux capacitor and take us back to 1988? Well, Josh, it was pretty rad to be a kid in 1988. Uh, you'd get up on a Saturday morning and watch cartoons like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, RoboCop, and even a police academy. Uh, yes, I remember that. It was great. Very short-lived, man, but I do remember that. Wow, that's crazy. I forgot yeah. all about it. You'd uh, strap on your L.A. gear and uh, maybe grab your real Ghostbusters action figures and hop in your mom's Ford Taurus station wagon. Crank up the Kids Incorporated tape you, you got for Christmas and head to the theater for movies like The Land Before Time, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Mac and Me, and Puss in Boots starring Christopher Walken. And a very clever cat. <coughs> Christopher Walken and Jason Connery star in Puss in Boots. I don't even know about that. Is <laughs> I that didn't even real? know about that. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> I, I didn't remember it either, but it is a thing. Uh, Microsoft Office was released in 1988. Um, Actually, I don't know if you guys did this. I, I took a uh, Microsoft Office class in high school, actually. You did, huh? Uh, you guys know I, I don't like to brag, but I excelled. 
I was waiting for it. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the concept of global warming earned national attention for the first time in 1988 uh, when James Hansen testified to the U.S. Senate. Uh, kind of sad that 35 years later, we still haven't found a solution, but we're definitely getting warmer. Oh! <laughs> Ooh, I like it. That's a good uh, Jim one. Jim Abbott, a one-handed pitcher, wins uh, the 58th James E. Sullivan Award given to the most outstanding amateur athlete in the U.S. in 1988. Uh, you guys hear about the time the doctor was performing surgery on a patient with one hand? No, uh, but I'm sure you're going to tell me about it. Well, the nurse said that if he used both, it would be easier. I better use my strong hand. <laughs> anyway. Uh, finally, do you guys uh, ever recall seeing a TV ad for the National Enquirer? I don't, but uh, apparently there was one in 1988. Hit it, Josh. Bruce Willis's pregnant wife denies having a shotgun wedding. Enquire within. We've Enquire within. The way that you want it. Enquire within. Book exclusive. Lana Turner's daughter reveals why she killed mom's lover. Enquire within. Why is Michael Jackson talking monkey talk? We were obsessed with Michael Jackson and his monkey in the 80s, I tell you. Yeah, they were. Wow, you would think that was like a highly regarded magazine, yeah? I remember checking out at the grocery store, and they always had it there, and you always look, and they, they had the one about the wolf boy. The kid, he was born with fur all over his body, which that was true, but he wasn't a wolf. He was just had some kind of thing where his hair grew out of every pore in his body. You suffer from that ailment, Jason, is that? I do. I shave this daily just to see. So. Well, thanks so much for taking us back in time, Eric. And let's uh, get into a little bit of the box office here for Willow. May of 1988, Willow comes out. This movie has a budget of $35 million, ends up doing a box office of $137.6 million. This movie was a juggernaut. I'm the juggernaut, bitch! <laughs> And uh, coming from someone like George Lucas, who was the executive producer, he also wrote the story. Let's just be honest, guys. This is Lucas's version of, of Lord of the Rings, right? Oh, God, yeah, definitely. <laughs> he had a, this story basically started about even before Star Wars. It was just... sort of been in my mind for about 15 years. Well, let's talk about the parallels here between Lord of the Rings. Yeah, let's and do it. Willow. I mean, first of all, Willow was... I one of if not the first american film to shoot in new zealand is that correct the toughest part of the shooting schedule took the cast and crew to queenstown new zealand a 30-hour flight from london filming continued in this mountainous area famous for skiing for four long weeks uh, so that is an interesting like production connection mm -hmm. obviously you have a group of uh, little folk that live in a little folk town that uh, go on an adventure. There's one particular item that will uh, quote unquote rule over all evil. They must deliver it somewhere yep. to something, keep it from the evil thing. There's a magic lady in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th th there's all kinds of parallels. I mean, even the ending feels a lot like the end of Return of the King when they're seeing Frodo off back to the Shire and everything. It you, definitely. You, you also have the the two. You have basically the 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 blueprint for the <laughs> for the Saruman uh, Gandalf fight with yeah. the two uh, sorceresses. 
<laughs> a fight that's pretty comedic in Willow, I have to say. Oh, yeah, dude. I, I, I hadn't watched this in a while, and I laughed my ass off last night watching it. <laughs> that was pretty funny. There's some parts of this movie that made me laugh that I forgot about. Excuse me! Are we having a party? <laughs> Definitely when I watched it last night, in that part where you see them walking across the log, across the ravine, all together. Yeah. And I was, I was just like, man, this is like Lord of the Rings are almost... Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs right there. <laughs> I was waiting for him. I was literally in my head going, hi-ho, hi-ho, <laughs> As I walked across that log, that's all you see. One thing I found kind of funny as far as the production of this movie and this movie in general, uh, aside from the Lord of the Rings comparisons, uh, you know, big movie, like we just said, $137 million at the box office. This movie currently sits with a 53% from the audience on Rotten Tomatoes, which I kind of thought was crazy. Uh, the audience it sits with a seventy nine percent. So, but the critics apparently don't care for this movie too much. I it was does feel kind of forgotten. Out. Like I, despite the fact that there's a Disney Plus show about right. it that's out. Before that, before the announcement of that, I felt like it was kind of a forgotten property. Like, well, that's that's the other thing that I think is really shocking. You've got a hundred and thirty seven million dollar movie here that there was never a sequel made for. You think that's the opportunity they would jump on that cash cap, cash grab, you know, like, oh, this thing made some money. We got to get every little, you know, squeeze every little bit of life we can out of it. And this thing sat for 30 years. I mean, with nothing. I, I think some of the after this came out, some some other fantasy movies kind of bombed. I think that was really took the wind well, out of its sails. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to talk about. You, you're talking about when this movie come out when George Lucas was trying to get it made, it was turned down by a lot of studios because of movies like Kroll, Labyrinth, uh, Dragon Slayer, and or they were not received well, so nobody wanted to put their hands on it. And that's what I was mentioning earlier. And then here we are nowadays, and we look back at movies like Legend and Labyrinth as masterpieces in our childhood. And people even talk about how great they are. But back then, they thought they were garbage. Also worth mentioning, uh, there's, I guess, like a trilogy in book form written by chris claremont and hmm. george lucas uh I, there's shadow moon shadow dawn and shadow star i guess hmm. and uh it was a book series that follows Alora growing up basically she grows up and you get to see her adventures as a, a grown-ass lady i do remember picking up like issues of uh, the uh, the willow comic book yeah, yeah there was a marvel yeah, comic com but yeah uh, did anybody watch the new show no, I haven't, I haven't watched, watched it, it either. I, I was waiting till we did our episode to actually sit down and watch the show. I haven't watched this movie in probably twenty years. I, I hadn't. I hadn't either. And I was. I felt like a little kid again watching this thing. That was yeah. my exact thing too. I, I. I was like, man, I haven't watched Willow in forever, and I don't remember. It was the show that was coming out that kind of sparked my curiosity and wanting to do yeah. it for the podcast. But I was a little hesitant to watch the movie whenever we were going to put it on, so we could start, you know, taking notes and whatnot. Absolutely, under no condition whatsoever. And when I turned it on, I had a blast watching this thing again. I forgot how much I loved it. And that kind of harkens back to when I was a kid. Um, we'll get into that here in a minute. I do want to touch on the fact that this is not directed by George Lucas. It is directed by Ron Howard, uh, famous for the Andy Griffith Show, Happy Days. And uh, bef before this movie, he had directed a handful of movies, Grand Theft Auto, Night Shift, Splash, Cocoon, and a movie called Gung Ho, which I've never heard of. Uh, and then Willow came down the line. Now, 
I think we have a little bit of a poltergeist situation here where you've got a producer and a director <laughs> who really directed the movie. There was a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff I was watching where Ron Howard was in a roundabout way, just kind of like feeling like he was taking the back seat on a few things. I used to joke with George and say, Sometimes, some days I don't feel like I'm the director of this movie. I feel like I'm uh, you know, vice president in charge of cinematic affairs for Lucasfilm. Uh, I can imagine it was probably a tough space to work in, especially for someone who didn't have much of a filmography at this point as a director. Uh, a, a George Lucas that you can turn to on the set, well, that, that's an unbelievable luxury and one that I really tried to take advantage of. You know, I'm sure uh, that was definitely a plus, but I can also see where it could have been daunting on Ron Howard to have to deal with that situation. Before that, he had he had been directed by, well, I guess a little while, but, uh, you know, American Graffiti. Right. Uh, so, you know, he, he knew Lucas from that and was already sort of had Lucas above him from that and got the job from Lucas. So obviously Lucas is the man. But it's also that thing where, you know, Ron Howard shoots his scene and he's like, Dude, we nailed it. And then he looks out of the corner of his eye and you see George Lucas going. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe if we do this. Start from the beginning. Again. You don't want to do the whole thing? Not really. Because uh, but but you still got plenty of dancing and we can start the music anywhere because it's the same. Okay. There's just like a halfway point that they can start. Yeah, all right. Well, let's just go. Let's just do the whole thing. Then. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> you can see George Lucas when he looks at him. He holds up his Star Wars figures like money, going, right. <laughs> "What are you talking about?" Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. And he picks up like a Millennium Falcon over here. Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. Don't listen to me. He like pulls his coat open, and there's a there's a lightsaber. Yeah. And he goes, "Okay, okay." Yeah, you whatever you say, Lucas. You got this, Luke. <laughs> Lucas. <laughs> so. George shot first. <laughs> <laughs> but with all the trials and tribulations that that Ron Howard had on this movie, I'm sure he's glad that it paid off because he's went on to have quite a career. Uh, from this point, I mean, we have Parenthood, Backdraft, Far and Away, Apollo 13, Ed TV, A Beautiful Mind, Cinderella Man, Da Vinci Code, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And it comes full circle. He ends up doing solo a couple of years ago. But yeah, I mean, Ron Howard's got quite a career now. So whatever he had to put up with from George Lucas and Willow, I'm sure he's happy he did it. <laughs> Let's talk about our nostalgia for Willow. I remember personally seeing the trailer for Willow when I was a kid and being so awestruck by it. I was like, whoa, I was obsessed with Mad Mardigan. The little bit of Mad Mardigan they showed in the trailer for this, I was like, whoa, I wanna go see this movie. <laughs> it, I mean, being the fan of Conan that I am and the swashbuckling and everything, and he just looks so fucking cool in those, in those trailers, man. You are great. How about you guys? What, what do you guys remember about when this came out? The, the thing that stuck out to me in the trailer and in the movie is General Kale's mask. Oh, yeah. That skull mask, that stuck with me. I mean, I was getting into the world of heavy metal at this time, and I'm like, that is so metal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 1988, we had Injustice for All. Hello. Come on. Darkness imprisoning me. I mean, in 1988, the effects in the commercial shows uh Brazil when she changes they showed a little bit of that in the trailer mm -hmm. i believe when we were kids and that was oh because lucas couldn't make the movie when he wanted to cuz he had to wait for technology to catch up 
basically he had to create I ILM. It's almost like the George Cameron stuff with Avatar now, or George. It's almost like the James Cameron stuff <laughs> with Avatar now. Like he had to build the technology to make the movie he wanted to make. In order to tell a story, I have to use special effects in order to create the environments. The effects broaden the palette of filmmaking. And this film has a lot of effects in it. We have, we're going to be way over 400 effect shots by the time we're done on it. And that's a big draw to this movie as well. Like they were doing things on screen that they that you had never seen before. Um, that morphing scene where she is turning back into a human and it's all these different animals morphing. You didn't see that on screen. That was a big part of this movie production is they wanted to show that in camera. And there was a lot that went into that. Um, there's a deleted scene in this movie with a, a character by the name of Fish Boy that they completely cut out of the movie because it does not work at all. The setup for it was great, was tough to let go of, although it was continuing to be a huge visual effects challenge. The mechanical fish, we were having the same kind of problem that Spielberg had with Jaws. We were having a hard time really making that believable. And to this day, as I talk about it, I feel a little pang because a part of me really loved Fishboy. I'm so wow. glad they cut it from the movie. It's an interesting little thing, but they just couldn't get it to work. But other Kinda than that... Kind of got some, some Jason Voorhees vibes. Yeah, a little bit. A little, a little bit. Old boy, wet boy. <laughs> that was the biggest thing was the, the, the effects in this movie is stuff that nobody had ever seen before. Well, you've got those, those you know, kind of groundbreaking effects. And like you said, there's, there's stop motion you know oh yeah old school monsters there's practical stuff there's rotoscoping stuff there's all kind like you name it there's there's like every kind of effect is in this movie at from the time and and uh it's a lot of fun i mean just all that stuff i mean how many times did you watch this movie i mean this was i didn't get to go to the theater and see it but it, it was definitely one of those ones that you were waiting to come out to your local vhs rental store I remember it used to actually take like a two years to be on HBO Saturday yeah. night movie and shit like that. And we would watch it when it came on TUE. But I mean, this was a, a, a definitely well-rented movie. I don't remember if I went to the theater and saw it or not. I know I had uh, an inkling to go to the theater to see it, but I can't remember no. if I did. How about you, Eric? I don't remember either. Uh, I do remember loving this as a kid. I remember loving Mad Mardigan. Uh, like you guys mentioned, I loved willow as well and his magic tricks and things like that i always loved magic as a kid so you know the fact that he was wanting to learn magic i could just kind of relate to that it's funny because i think magic is boring now but whatever <laughs> uh, one thing this movie reminds me of i just want to mention it because it, it just from the same time period even though we talk about a lot of fantasy stuff i guess you could argue indiana jones has some fantasy elements in it as well but yeah yeah. I, this movie reminds me a lot of the Indiana Jones films, particularly Temple of Doom. Is it the snow scene when they're going down the mountain? The snow scene, <laughs> the, the, the sled scene reminds me of not just the snow scene from Temple of Doom, but also the, the minecart. Yeah, that's true. They yeah. both feel very similar. Um, the the, the, the horse-drawn carriage chase scene reminds me of some Indiana Jones stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, high-speed chase, it would be trucks and Indiana Jones. Rather than the, <laughs> but, um, you know, obviously you got the Lucas Spielberg connection. And then, the you know, I think Mad Mardigan has similar vibes to Indiana Jones. He's kind of gruff, but he's got a soft spot and he's kind of funny. And, you know, like he's a ladies man. And, you know, you got a lot of similar things going on there. Obviously, 
some similarities to uh, Han Solo as well. I think you just can't bear to let a gorgeous guy like me out of your sight. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. But I mean, he's just that he's just so cool. I mean, you know, the ladies love him. He's funny. Well, that's what I will go ahead and say with my first watch of this movie is being so into that trailer and being like obsessed with Mad Morgan in that trailer. I was ready. I was ready for some swashbuckling. I was ready for this cool, awesome swordsman to come on screen and just mesmerize me throughout the entire movie. And I remember when I first watched this, I was pretty let down with the amount of Mad Morgan that's in this movie. Like Not a lot. Um, and, and the introduction to Mardigan in this really threw me for a loop when I was a kid because I'm seeing this awesome hero-esque guy in the trailer and we open this movie with him in a fucking, in a, in a, in a cage with dirty, nasty shit all over his teeth and I was like, ugh! This is the hero I'm supposed to be following in this movie? I was really, really taken aback by the way they introduced Mad Mardigan in this movie, for sure. Did you guys feel that way at all? or? Oh, well, I was going to say, you know, you talk about how we see Mad Mardigan. Just imagine if John Cusack would have got the part. See, I didn't I didn't really look at who was up for any of the roles in this. He, so. he wanted it. I mean, like, he was trying for it. Wow. I don't remember being so hyped up that I, you know, <clears throat> that I was disappointed with Mad Mardigan. I, I, I like that introduction. I like when they're standing on that corner and they're trying to flag people down and they just keep going by it's almost like a highway like a car is driving by (laughs) you know like you'd think somebody on a horse would stop and go what what's going on why you why are you holding a baby yeah what's going on here uh but yeah they just buzz by like cars (laughs) it's just really funny well you can't tell with a baby if it's a if it's a nelwyn or the other kind right also it's interesting to think like you think of the nelwyns as being little people but they're really not they're medium because the brownies are the brownies are right. right. We'll we'll, we'll get it. We'll get into the brownies because I remember not liking the brownies very much when I saw this as a kid. I've never liked the brownies that much. And, and, and honestly, no one in this movie likes the brownies either. (laughs) Like, Oh, I hate brownies. You are crawling with brownies. Ah, I hate brownies. (laughs) They haven't had the right kind of brownies. (laughs) All right. Well, enough of our nostalgia about this movie. We're going to get into talking about the actual movie. That's going to do it for our back in time segment. Moving on. Ewoks, Iceman, and a usual suspect. It's time for Almost Famous. I know that, dude. I don't know them. I know her. Haven't you ever heard of that guy? That guy who was in that movie that was out last year. I'm sort of famous for being almost famous. And if you're new to the show, this is where we discuss the people in front of the camera, where we've seen them before, and decide who's famous for being almost famous. Quite a big cast here, so let's go ahead and talk about some of them. We've got Val Kilmer. If you really are a princess, take care of him. Had done quite a bit at this point. You know, you got Top Gun. Uh, was Real Genius before this? I believe it was. Where was you guys first time uh, seeing Val Kilmer? This was probably one of my first times watching Val Kilmer in a movie. Real genius. Sorry, it, it's just that I didn't want you guys to think I was stuck. You know, no fun, all brain, no penis. <laughs> yeah, that's that was an interesting one. Real genius wasn't one I watched as a little kid. Um, Man, probably Top Gun. Uh, I think that's this. where a lot of people were was Top Gun. I, th- I think at this point he was definitely the big big name in Top. Well, other than Tom Cruise, he was a big name in for for Top Gun. You can be my wingman anytime. 
Um, but this was probably the first movie I really paid attention to him. I think I had seen Top Gun at this point, but I didn't remember that Val Kilmer was in this movie. I mean, for the longest time, I knew Val Kilmer as Mad Mardigan. Yeah. But, and uh, I always thought it was Mad Mardigan, two words. Like, Mad Mardigan. Was a, like, Mad was a descriptor, like he was crazy. Right. You know, because he does seem kind of crazy. So I was like, oh, yeah. that's Mad Mardigan. Like, you know, like he's nuts. No, it's one word. One word, Mad Mardigan. Mad Mardigan. I like, like Madonna. Me. Or share, <laughs> or Beyonce. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I mean he's gone on to have a great career. Unfortunately, he's he's not acting anymore. I think Top Gun Maverick was his last appearance in a film um, because of some health issues and whatnot. I'm not super familiar with what what he has and what's going on with him, but it. I, I know they did a documentary about it, and I haven't watched it yet. And people say it's really good, but it, it it's it just seems like it's going to be sad and I avoid it because of that. <laughs> but I guess he, it, it contains a lot of footage that he shot himself over the years. Yeah. Which is probably pretty cool to go through and like yeah. see his life through film. I think I read that. I think it's movies and stuff. Yeah. I think his son's the one who narrates a lot of it. I think, I think I, I read I, something like that. Right. Cause he can't talk anymore. Yeah. He can't talk anymore. Yeah. One of my one of my favorite performances from him is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, I feel like that is a very underrated movie and performance from Val Kilmer. I think he's fucking hilarious in that movie. Look up idiot in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? A picture of me? No. The definition of the word idiot, which you fucking are. Yeah, he's uh, great. No, his best role is, and you know what I'm going to say. Eric knows what movie I'm going to say. Is Tombstone. <laughs> Nonsense. I've not yet begun to defile myself fucking tombstone i'll be your huckleberry <laughs> i love him dude he is the best doc holiday ever yeah it's pretty he's pretty awesome he's pretty awesome yeah. and then we've got warwick davis uh first time he's having a starring role here um, 17 years old in this that's movie. what i was gonna say i didn't know he was 17 when he yeah. made this even yeah. crazier he was 11 11 in when he did wicked return of the jedi it's 11 so 11 it's so crazy too when you see his body movements in this. You can absolutely tell Wicket is Warwick Davis. <laughs> yeah, you go back and you watch it. Yeah, but his most famous role is the Leprechaun. If you want to go back and check out our coverage of Leprechaun, go back and check that one out. I think he did what five or six of those movies as the Leprechaun. I think. Yeah, I, I know he wasn't in the last one. Origins, I think, is the name of it. Yeah, they, they went a whole different way with it. Yeah. I've only seen the first Leprechaun. I, well, no, I take that back. I've seen Leprechaun in the hood, but it, I don't know anything. I can't remember anything about it, so I might as well not have seen it. No. Uh, you got Joanne, uh, Joanne Whaley. Um, she looks super familiar, but I can't tell you another movie I've seen her in. I had a love scene with Joanne Whaley, and it just uh, it was just very difficult. And it was quite tough physically to do. I couldn't remember my lines somehow. Just when I, I would kiss her and then I would forget what I was going to say. So we had to shoot that over and over again. I never did get it right. We got along all right in the end. Apparently so. Val Kilmer and co-star Joanne Wally, who met on the set of Willow, were married last March. Dude, I always had a thing for Sorsha. Dude, she was <laughs> hot. Sorsha, I mean, and I think the reason I think I know who she is more than I do is because she looks a lot like Susanna Hoffs from The Bangles. Yeah, I could see that. And I remember that Walk Like an Egyptian video, man. Susanna Hoffs in that. That was like, that was that was every boy's like dream girl in the 80s, man. Susanna Hoffs from the Bangles. 
And then you've got uh, a slew of uh, little people actors in this. And that's really where I'm going to get into Almost Famous a little bit here in just a minute. But um, not a whole lot of other people in this movie that I recognize other than some of the little people that we're about to get to. Other than Kevin Pollack. <laughs> Kevin Pollack, of course. As Rule, one of the brownies. And I got to say, man, uh, we'll get into it when we get into talking about the movie. But... I've come around on the brownies. I I think the brownies are are hilarious. Uh, no, roll rolls. That's all <laughs> there is to it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I've got one I wanted to mention for almost famous. Okay, go ahead. Go and ahead. Throw Let's it do out. it. Throw it up. Pat Roach. Yes. Pat Roach is Kale, General Kale Salad. This man, you know, I, I had mentioned thinking about Indiana Jones. He was the big guy that. It, in the indie fights by the uh the plane airplane and he gets uh-huh. chopped up and gets chopped up and he's also the big indian guy okay. in temple of doom he in also brown has, face <laughs> he also has a role in last crusade i just don't know what it is oh really yeah, and he's also in conan the destroyer and red sonya well, his face is covered for a majority of this movie, so that doesn't help things. But do you guys feel like they put prosthetics on his eyes? They like, did. Because his, like his... It looks eye, like his eye, his uh, eyebrow bones are out here. They protrude out big time. And like, from what I remember of the guy who fights Indy in Raiders yeah, of the Lost Ark, like he that. didn't look like that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, so you got, uh, I'll, go, I'll throw my almost famous out there. Uh, I, I had, well, I did Kevin Pollock. Hand me the keys, you fucking cocksucker. No, dude, I'm sorry. I think Kevin Pollock is a big name. I, I don't think Kevin Pollock's almost famous. Dude, if I, I mean, walked outside and asked anybody who Kevin Pollock was, they'd go, who? But then he, I would describe he them. outside. What's outside your house? Like a like dude, a Dude, there's a tons cow? of people outside. It's like I'll a cow say. and like a jackrabbit outside. If I were, house. if I was to just ask people who don't, do the movie thing like we do who kevin pollock was they would have no fucking clue i, I if you say well, tom cruise yes you say val kilmer yes kevin pollock they're like huh and i no. go i think I, kevin pollock is is famous enough just for his stand-up comedy right and, and his impressions his celebrity impressions like i think there's more people that know about kevin pollock than you think my friend well see i didn't even know of that he was a comedian and did impressions so that tells you that well then you need to go look up some of his celebrity impressions because he fucking nails quite a bit of them but if you think that then the other one was tony cox i have tony cox written down but he is not my pick for almost famous but no. yes tony cox um he's bad santa Friday, yeah. <laughs> he was a, Friday. He's a Friday. He Lots is, of recognizable ton- little folk in this. Like, yes. it's oh, crazy. God, yeah. This group that they have that takes off from the Shire in the beginning. There's a lot of familiar faces there. <laughs> it's off from the Shire. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my pick for almost famous would be uh, Phil Fondacaro. That's a little person you see in quite a few movies. Like if there's if there are little people in a movie, he's probably one of them. This guy has been in a ton of stuff. Namely, what I know him from is Ghoulies 2, <laughs> Garbage Pail Kids, Troll. He was in Phantasm 2, Bordello of Blood, I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker, which Jason loves. Uh, this guy has been in a ton of stuff. He and was in Return of the Jedi as well. Yeah, I, I think a lot Ewok. of the people in this movie... Oh, yeah, not surprisingly. From, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's actually a, a, a cameo from Kev, uh, Kenny Baker, who is in R2D2 in the Star Wars movies. He's one of the band members in the Nolan Village. Also, Billy Billy Barty. Yep, 
Yes. Lombardi. Uh, I mean, Josh a, should know who that is. One. This is from one of his favorite movies ever. Gwildor and Masters yep. of the Universe. Of course. Masters of the Universe. Screwball and Legend. <laughs> Another Legend uh, reference. Uh, UHS. Yep, UHF. He gets a skin knee as the cameraman. Oh, did I do that? Oopsie. Yep. That was so sad, dude. That. <laughs> sorry. When I when I was watching that as a kid, and the and the, the little guy gets knocked over, and he gets a skin knee or elbow or something. I can't remember. I was like, "You son of a bitch!" Like I hated that. Who I, the, whoever knocked him over. I'm just like, no. Was it Jean Marsh that plays Bab Morta? Mm-hmm. She was the Wicked Witch in the Return to Oz movie that freaking removed her head and shit. That shit fucked me up as a kid. <laughs> it's, a, it's a horror movie more than it is anything. Return to Oz is the thing of nightmares, my friends. Like, if you have not seen Return to Oz, uh, be prepared. It is nothing like... Wizard of Oz. Yeah, we, wheelers will ruin your life. Every time you hear a squeaky wheel, <laughs> did you hear a squeaky wheel? You're like, what the hell? <laughs> I'm just waiting right. for that little mask face to come over my shoulder right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's who I, that's all I had. So. so we're all three nominating a different person for Almost Famous this week. We've got Eric with... Uh, I'm going with Pat Roach. Eric I'll do with- the Tony Cox. And I will do Phil Fondacaro. So uh, a new little piece of almost famous that I'd like to start doing here is I'd like to know what you guys think. Who's the MVP of Willow? I, I, I will say I think it's Warwick Davis. I think Warwick Davis really gives a really good performance in this movie. I, I think I agree. Val is awesome and he's it's obviously between those two, I would say. But Willow's uh, Warwick's the the heart of Willow. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know that Lucas was pissed because they gave Kilmer top billing over him. Oh, really? Lucas was mad. Like, not not just not just Val Kilmer. I think Joanne Whaley was put above him as well. Wow. Like he's third on the cast list in in, in the beginning of the movie. So, yeah, that's a little heartbreaking. And I mean, I would be pissed too if I was Lucas. I mean, you're trying to give this guy a, a break in his career, which I mean, we we can all admit this this really broke Warwick Davis out into the mainstream. I mean. We're finally seeing his face and, and like headlining a film. Yeah, being the the type the titular character. Right, and I and I think for him being this is his first time front and center in a movie, and namely what really kind of put it over the top for me as far as the MVP of the movie is that scene after they take Alora when Kale takes Alora and you see him come out and he's just. He's, he's bloody from being dealing with the the guys and he just breaks down oh, and cries. Yeah. like that performance from Warwick Davis right there is like okay he's he's my MVP of this movie like he gives a great performance in this movie yeah for sure yeah he's great I agree I would go with that he's oh, great yeah. I've, I've loved him ever since you know just every yeah. time you see him he's just such a, a a fun happy presence you know like interviews and things like that he just seems like such a nice dude like willow it's very unusual to have a hero of a film being short normally they're tall dark and handsome you know uh, i'm not tall i'm not dark give me the handsome bit i mean even in even in leprechaun i mean as much as we just kind of just dumped on leprechaun when we talked about it he he makes that movie fun i'm not sure if that continues throughout the movies we'll see as we go through that series but yeah i mean if if there's anything i'm loving in in leprechaun it's warwick davis 
doing his performance. So, but that's gonna do it for our discussion of Almost Famous. What do you? What do you? Who do you guys think is the MVP of Willow? Let us know in the comments below. And who would you nominate for Almost Famous? Let us know in the comments below. All right, now we're gonna get to the good, the bad, the movie. Uh, we're going to be doing this a little bit different if you've been listening to our show over the past couple years but this is going to be our main discussion about the movie and really where we're going to start talking about our watch this time around we talked about our nostalgia for willow how we felt about it when we were kids growing up and, and how many times we watched it now coming into willow as adults what did we think of it this time around so i want to ask you guys what's good about willow eric we'll start with you what do you think's good about willow I think there's a lot of good. I don't really know where to start other than the beginning of the film. I love how dark they're willing to go. Like right, the yeah. beginning of this movie is dark as hell. Like they are oh, straight yeah. up going after every baby in the kingdom or whatever, or in the land or whatever it's called. You know, that's one thing that in some of these 80s fantasy they're willing to do, right? I mean, moments like Artax and Never Ending Story, moments that stick with us for 30 plus years <laughs> uh, that I don't know that you get in 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 uh, like a family fantasy movie nowadays that has been sort of pulled back some of this dark stuff. So I I, I like how I mean the 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 midwife lady that she gets mauled by mutant dogs. I loved these dogs, especially Dude. like when, as a kid. Like I thought these dogs were awesome. You can kind of see that they're just putting masks on real dogs at this dogs. point. No, I'm of it, dude. But in 2023, I'm asking myself, why don't we see more dogs with prosthetics on? Yeah, Is I it mean, like a animal cruelty thing. You can't put probably like, a costume time. on a dog anymore. That shit looks awesome, yeah. dude. Those dogs look like overgrown rats. What's the tail? It shows her the way the tail comes down. Yeah. I thought it was just some kind of weird thing as a kid, you know, like, what the hell is it? Then you find out they just put masks. I think it's really effective. I mean, even now, it's cool. Like, yeah, you can tell it's a dog, but. Well, they also had puppets. They had puppets that they used for it as well when they were having lunging shots and everything. But yeah, since you bring up Alora, like the the baby that they have, the the twins that they used for Alora in the movie, I've got to say, this is some of the best baby facial expression acting in movies dude like i think all of the shots they cut to of her when something's happening are golden like i think the baby does a like they they she they is had, adorable they had to have the camera rolling 24 7 with this kid or something because they got some great reaction yeah. shots out of this kid i would even say that she's allurable oh, oh. oh. <laughs> hey i do want to bring up one thing he was talking about at the beginning with the uh, whole killing the babies and everything does it not have a, a ten commandments feel sure very biblical very right biblical now. like a whole moses and the lady puts her in the nile and it, yeah she puts alora in the basket or in the thing down the river as well yeah that that, so, that yeah. very uh convenient floating piece right. of whatever <laughs> and the baby stays perfectly center and floats down the river yeah oh, i need to get away look a flotation device <laughs> baby shaped floaty but what's cool like you're talking about how dark it is is you see the the pretty baby float away and right there in the background you see the dogs eating her yeah yeah, yeah. like i said they stay with the darkness right there hell yeah not just the baby stuff either like when bav morta comes in and fi finds the baby gone and the the mom is just going to town and she's like kill her like she she's ending this woman's life right now like that that's this woman just gave birth to her child that she's had to send away and now she is dead. Like, it's just, 
It's pretty brutal, man. I, I, I will say watching it this time, I feel like Bavmorda is very one note. They don't give you a whole lot about Bavmorda in this, just that she wants to rule the world, rule the world. And she dresses um, like Mumra from Thundercats. Yeah, <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> when she opens up that rope to put the robe on, I went, look, it's Mumra. Yeah. It's still a good look. I don't care. She oh, looks yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the production design in this movie is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Her and Kale yeah. salad and. Well, Jason like, brought it up already that the mask that Kale wears, dude, holy shit. That is yeah. that is all like what what do you think that's a skull of? It looks like an ape skull or that's something. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. yeah. Well I was I saying with, I don't well, with think the it's prost- a real skull of anything. But. Well with the prosthetics of his face, it might be his dad's skull. Right. <laughs> or his mom's. <laughs> or his mom's skull. Which <laughs> they died. He's like, Oh, I'm gonna put this right over my face. Well it's to funny honor you, thy father. It's funny you say that because like my like my reasoning for the reason he looks the way he does under the mask is because he's been wearing that mask so long that his shape that his face is just taking shape around the mask. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, uh, Morta put it on him as a kid and like pulled it really tight as a torture, and then his face grew into maybe right the, uh, mask. There, maybe you go. he's See? just getting some fillers, you know, a little, a little injection. Yeah, just a little, a little here, a little there, you know. Well, I mean, there is magic. Maybe he had some magic done to his face. But he's doing a better job. That's there's, <laughs> I, I mean, there, you know, there's some some real physical changes people go through later. Oh, the oh, pig yeah. scene scarred me as a kid, dude. That pig scene, I wasn't expecting that shit, dude. And when pig, you start pig mad Mardigan, you're yeah. like, oh no, <laughs> like my my man. It's like, oh Absolutely. no, give me the dirty teeth back. I don't want him to look like a pig. No, no, no. If I had watched this movie before we did our top four douchebags episode, Burgle Cut would have been on my list. That dude's a fucking dick. Burgle Cunt? Burgle Cunt. Burgle Cunt. <laughs> yes. Yes, I like it, Eric. I like it. I like it! I like it! Uh, I was debating on whether I wanted to say that out loud, but couldn't resist. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, he's a jerk. Um, I, I really love Willow's kids, too. They're adorable. Oh, well, dude. It- his wife, the, the thing with between him and his wife, man, it makes you, I don't care how big badass you are, dude, this shit makes your heart melt. Mm-hmm. The, the when end, they're together, whoa. At yeah. the end, when she realizes he's back, it kind of makes me a little teary-eyed, man. Oh, yeah, like, man. oh man, well, they're back together. Like, it's it's nice. Well, even when she, they're leaving and she cut her hair to yeah. give to him, I mean, yes. like, yes. wow, man, well, that's that's love. Well, I asked right Jenny, I asked Jenny, I was like, I don't know, like, is this creepy or is this kind of like i don't know like something about cutting your hair off and giving it to somebody uh, yeah you you wouldn't give it to a stranger right yeah <laughs> but she's yeah it, it is kind of weird but i guess you know they can't text each other or anything thanks for your time <laughs> no you mentioned willow's kids <laughs> <My> um, <beard. laughs> i use I, like we jenny and i use the whole data data thing all the time because you know obviously we talk for our dogs because we're we're normal people. We talk for our sure. dogs, but oh, so uh, do we. Yeah. And, 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 and same thing. Anytime we come home, or they, they look like they're excited for us, it's always data, data. Like that's just that's one of those things from this movie that stuck with me. And Jenny and I say it all the time. I love Willow's reaction to when the baby does show up, and the mom, and the uh, Kaya is talking about should we take it to the high council? Council and Willow's freak out about it is uh, that whole segment where he's freaking out about the baby. I think is great. <laughs> no, no, they'll think it's a bad omen. There'll be a flood or a drought, and everyone will blame me for it. 
That's right, he's that lousy farmer too. Let's get him! Willow, calm down. It's calm. very natural. Like, yeah. if you found a baby, wouldn't you react the same way? Even nowadays, you'd be like, oh shit, what am I gonna do with this baby? <laughs> like, you know, like, I don't wanna keep it. Is it like the old days? You take it, drop it off at the fire department or something? Right. What do I need How to do we do? get rid of this baby? I don't want to hurt it, but I don't want it. Well, in a sense, that's what they do. I mean, they give the baby to Mad Marsh. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. They might as well like, be dropping shit, it off at a fire station. Yeah, it's worse. Yeah, yeah. My biggest takeaway from this movie watching it this time around was I've I've already mentioned it in an earlier segment, but like I've I've come around on the brownies. Like, I think the brownies are hilarious. <laughs> Oh, you fool, he does not need to know everything. I didn't tell him everything. You told him enough. What did I say? You every, every time something's happening with the brownies, it's cracking me up, dude. Like, how, how do you, I mean, I, I, obviously Eric doesn't feel too great about the brownies. Jason, did you have a change of opinion about the brownies this time around? Oh, no, or, I've always liked rule. I've always, yeah. liked, I mean, that's part of my, my good is rule. That would take forever. Besides, even if we find them, they'll catch us, stick us in cages, torture us, and finally devour us. Are you suggesting we go home? Nah, this is more fun. All right. Yeah, they, I can I can probably get what Eric's saying. It can be kind of annoying, but I like that character because he's different than all the other characters in the movie. I love that when he falls into the beer and he's drunk and he comes back out and he gets the dust and he's wanting the dust to do whatever. And then he falls in love with the cat and it's just, and he's ready to fight anybody. They don't care how little they are. You know, dude, I just love that. That's he, what I really care about. He's the like, comedy in the movie. They are fearless, dude. Like, they are. They will go into battle with everybody. I, I love that. I think they're... Well, I, I think part of the... Part, part of my issue with the brownies is the fact that the worst effects in the film revolve around the brownies. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, you know, I'm not trying to penalize the film for, for that, but it's, you know, it's kind of the worst, like... You're, I'm pulled out of the film a little bit every time they're on, particularly certain scenes where they're very clearly, you know, in like a uh, composite thing. Yeah. Uh, I do like when he falls in the bucket like a like a cartoon mouse or something and just gets drunk <laughs> in a bucket of booze. That's always fun. I always assume if I fell into a giant vat of beer or whiskey, I would just immediately come up drunk and hiccuping bubbles. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, they're just they are obnoxious and I get they're I guess they're supposed to be I, I like that everyone hates them. It I uh and like treats them like vermin, like almost like they're just like annoying like an annoyance, not that they're some like, oh my god, there's these tiny people. It's like you talk about them like you would talk about rats or squirrels or pigeons or whatever, you know, they're just annoying. Good. Take these two lizards out and drown them. Lizards? Who are you calling lizards? <laughs> Yeah. You got some definite Gulliver tra Gulliver's Travels shit going on in this scene too. <laughs> that's what that's the part that I do like because I love I've always loved Gulliver's Travels. Yeah. I do like when they have him tied down. I like when Willow gets up though and just kind of does the ah, and like scares scares the brownies <laughs> away. Well, the one good thing that we haven't talked about because we the whole thing with the Hobbit thing is you got Sam and Frodo, you got Migosh and Willow. We have not talked about his best friend. He's definitely the Samwise Gamgee of this movie. I mean, like when they ask his any volunteers, he's the first one to volunteer. That's like, oh, this is totally Sam and Frodo. And I love the fact that they 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 make Burglecut go along as well because he won't shut his mouth. You know, that's a whole 
the whole point of the high owl one and you know I love the fact that Willow wants to be a wizard or a magician or whatever, a sorcerer, a sorcerer. in this in this world. And you go throughout this movie and he's learning magic from Rizel. He's got the wand. He's he's learning to be a sorcerer in a sense. I love at the end of the movie though, he's able to save the day by just being a, a just by using parlor right. tricks and being a magician, you know? Being himself, right? Yes. He's good enough the way he is. Right. I think that's a great cap on the end of the movie is like, you don't need to be a sorcerer. You are good enough. Just who you are, you know? Yeah. It's a nice moment where he gets to save the day. And of course this baby somehow knows. Yeah, the, she, she speaks. That's, yeah. the, that's one thing that I'll say kind of leans into my bad a little bit is there's not a, not a lot of explanation for some of the things that are going on in this. One of them is the baby, like, you know, there's all this weight and stuff and all these dramatics put into destroying this baby it has to be sacrificed on the altar and all of this shit. Like, can it not just be killed? Like, you're just sending dogs after it. Like, can it just die? It seems like there's this whole big production put into making this baby not be able to take right. her power. Once you when, get the baby, just kill it. Yeah. Kill like, the baby. It's like when Sorsha had it, when, <laughs> when Kale had wow. it. Wow. It was like, if you really want to get rid of the baby, you could have done it five times now. I have the child. How do you guys feel about the introduction of Matt Mardigan in this movie? I think it's funny. I, I like it. it. You know, he's such a archetype of like this sort of scoundrel thief, you yeah. know, adventurer guy and perfect way than to show that he's been captured and he's just rotting away in this thing and he's going to say whatever he needs to say to get out of it and uh, I think <laughs> it's a great way to introduce him. How do you like his cry acting? <laughs> I don't know why I try. <laughs> <laughs> That's like three layers of acting, man. He's acting like he doesn't he's, know how to act. Uh, act. Right. There you go. Some deep shit right there. Anything else you want to bring up as far as good in this movie? Like anything that struck you this time watching it that didn't strike you before? Yeah, kind of like I was I was mentioned before. I, I I love all the escape scenes, the 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 carriage escape. I love the the sled escape. Um, I love the music. Uh, the score to this is awesome. It's James uh, Horner doing his best John Williams uh, impression. <laughs> I, I guess, but I mean, it's when they get out of the tent and you finally see Mad Mardigan sword fight. <laughs> like it, yeah. that, that score right there is awesome, dude. It is. And, that, and like, that's that moment when like, that's the Mad Mardigan I've been waiting for yeah. this whole movie, dude. Uh, and then it's only yeah, last that's the for first that time long. you see him actually like fight somebody. Yeah, yeah. It feels like an Indiana Jones movie in those moments to me, and 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 it gives me the same feeling of like excitement, wonder, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, it's excellent. I, I put it right up there with anything. Um, oh, I love the two-headed monster, which I guess is named after uh, Siskel oh. and Ebert. The, the, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, the the names. All the villains are named after critics. Right. So is Kale. Um, 
I yeah, I, I don't remember all the exact things, but um, that might explain why the critics' uh, score on Rotten Tomatoes is low. <laughs> <laughs> I also really love when he fights like the the troll monkeys, like those troll guys that climb all around, and they look kind of like the the apes from 2001 it's oh. they kind of remind me <laughs> yeah of they do yeah. yeah and uh and then you know when he when he kills the one and it melts yeah love the effects there kind of reminds me of the thing like, there was apparently oh lot, yeah there was yeah. apparently a lot more with the with the trolls in that scene and there was also a subplot that was cut from the movie with sorsha finding her father and all the people that are encased in ice in Tirislean, her father is one of the people there. I think he's actually the the king of Tirislean or whatever. Oh wow! And uh, there's a whole there's there's like I think five cut scenes, and it kind of makes Sorsha's uh, turn to the good side work a little bit better once you know that. Because well, it does we'll get see- to that in bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, save it, Josh. Save it. He keeps wanting to drift into the bat. I, I love Mad Mardigan fighting everybody basically by himself at the uh, at the castle where he tries to make his stand. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of has to make you think, did Kevin McAllister watch Willow before he uh, set up his probably. house for, for the Wet Bandits? Hey, did, did you not think when he was doing that, it had a very uh, throwback to Conan? Remember when they set up in the uh, oh yeah the ruins and they were setting yeah. up all the booby trap type things? Yeah. It had a real Conan feel to it right there. Yeah, and just the badass moment where he jumps on the monster and just like I mean that show that throws there. off, dude. There's there's a that's one thing I like about Val Kilmer's performance here is he plays it with a lot of human emotion to it too. Like a lot of the times your 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 heroes have this larger than life personality and they just go into battle. He has that moment where he's like, yeah, and even, yeah he's even, not like fearless. He actually is scared. He's nervous. He's, he's yeah. like, shit, I gotta kill this <laughs> damn thing. Yeah. Even when the, you know, when the, when it rises up out of the thing and everybody runs away, when he turns around, the look on his face is just like, like, he looks like he shits his pants in that moment. That is one of my good points of the movie is when it comes out of the water and he's standing and he's like, ah, and they're all like, oh, and he's like, yeah, I'm a badass. Oh, wait, what the fuck? I love that shot. That's just so cool. Or when that sa- seems like something Indiana Jones would do, right? Exactly. Yeah. Or when he's saving Willow from the troll and the troll screams at him and he just screams right back at him. Yeah. Jason, how about you? You got anything we haven't talked about yet that you think? I do like the morphing effects for Roselle uh, that we see through the movie. I even like, uh, I mean, the other ones you could definitely tell is like CGI morphing. But the one I liked is when she changes from whatever that little squirrel looking thing is. I can never remember the name of it. And it changes to a bird the way it folds. That's fucking, that's a good shot. I mean, that's some practical stuff of it with a little bit of CGI mixed in. Uh, I love that shot. I like the fight with the altar at the end of the movie when she they take the oh, wand and it hits that little metal altar and it starts walking around the room and Willow's trying to fight an altar. Well, just the design <laughs> of it, dude. Like if you watch when the when the mouth opens, it's skeleton hands. It's skeleton like, hands opening yeah, yeah. the mouth. That's that shit just, is metal too, dude. It's right. so metal. Talk about metal. I also uh, I, really love. Sorry, Jason. I just want to throw in. Sure. I I love uh, Bav Morda's castle whatever that's called that castle is cool i, I love metal. that it's i love that it's dirty and gritty and it doesn't look like an eloquent castle whatsoever it's freaking gigantic it's like an yeah. evil castle dude it's like something from from 
you know, he it's Snake it's Mountain. It's like Snake Mountain. Snake Mountain. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> it's it's Mountain. like clearly an evil sorceress lives there. Well, you got uh, General Kale. He's Skeletor, pretty much walking around. True. <laughs> so true. I love that nearly all of Kale's dialogue is like exclaimed this way. Destroy the beast! Find the baby! It's always him exclaiming something. Uh, Open the gates! I have the child! Like, I love that all of his dialogue. He's metal, dude! He's like, yeah! He he went, he he was listening, he was listening to a lot of James Hetfield at that time. Yeah! Yeah! (laughs) Some, uh, the other stuff I love, I love the whole when uh, Mad Mordigan gets hit with the- The dust of broken heart. Dust of broken hearts. That whole change. I, I love the acting there because he walks toward her and then turns around and he's like, oh, yeah. no, I, no, I can't, I gotta, no, oh, I gotta talk to you. I gotta touch you. You know, it's just, <laughs> that. that's a good thing. I mean, it's some great lines. Guys, you wanna throw down some lines for your lady? Write them down. Your touch is worth 100,000 deaths. And you can see it has an effect on uh, on Sorsha too. She walks away from that like, maybe I do want to get with this guy. It's like, basically the entire basis for her character flip. So yeah, it yeah. better have worked. It, well, that's what I'm saying. I think it, I think a lot of that is because it worked. Because I mean, look at her mother. I mean, she's never known love at all, and to feel that that's probably what changes her so quickly. It has to make you wonder how Sorsha even came to be anyway. Like, there was, was there ever a loving relationship that, that obviously something resulted in baby Sorsha, but. We need to, we need to get into bad before we <laughs> talk about this. All right, any, any more good stuff we want to bring up? Any key scenes, anything? I, like I just want to bring up the, the, the whole sled ride down the hill, but the part where Mad Mardigan falls off and turns into a snowball. <laughs> rolling down that's pretty fucking hilarious i mean that's as, as ridiculous as the guy falling in the bucket and getting drunk that's no. that's some goofy shit yeah that's but i'm just saying it's fun it's because fun yeah i mean it's as fun. a kid as a kid when i think of because i've never been in snow and got to go sledding the two movies i think of are willow and christmas vacation right <laughs> yeah. so you those you don't think about silent night deadly night man oh yeah <laughs> of course so uh, i'm like going through the woods want to go sled and trying to hold on to my head i have one more good thing on my list uh i like when willow rides back into the shire on little sebastian bye bye little sebastian (laughs) we gotta work that parks and rec reference in there somewhere Let's get into some bad. What did we walk away from watching Willow this time? What did we think was bad? Okay, well, we should just talk about Sorsha, right? Because I think it's easy to forget when you're watching this movie because she's pretty and young and Mad Mardigan falls for her. Mm-hmm. It's easy to forget what she was up to in the beginning of this movie. She right. was rounding Killing up babies. pregnant women and babies. That's something I, I always fall back on. And there's a moment in the movie where she kicks Willow, like kicks his ass out of the way. If I were Willow, I'd be like, hey, you owe me a fucking apology. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, she gets a she gets a, pa- a free pass for just being like a pretty gal, I think. Yeah. And I think that deleted scenes in the whole subplot with her dad makes her turn a lot more natural and you kind of are put in her shoes a little bit better. We really liked in the outline. We liked it in the screenplay, but we simply realized we had to streamline the story a bit 
Although we brought Dad back for a brief cameo payoff at the end. It, it, it's a little problematic for me too. Yeah, Jason, you got anything in particular you want to talk about that you thought was bad? I just watched it straight off Disney Plus, uh, but like the trolls climbing on the walls looks doesn't look that great. I mean, I think the morphing still looks okay, but you can see it's aged. That's some of the like in the brownies. I mean, I love the brownies, but the way they're inserted into the film, you can definitely tell they're just in there. I can see it really bad. It just doesn't seem like that part of it holds up for me as, as it did when I was a kid. Because back then, I wasn't care. I didn't care about that shit. But as a, you know, watching it now and doing for this show, you know, it's just kind of like, man, that just really doesn't hold up like it did. I mean, there are movies that are older that I think that still hold up better than that did. I mean, it was ambitious, so that's oh, yeah. always going to bite you a little bit when you're trying to do things, push the envelope. I don't know if it's bad, but it's uh, to me, it's hilarious. It's like the uh, fight at the end, Rizelle and Bab Morta. Some of that is a little corny when they're fighting, <laughs> and she lights her on fire, and she freezes her. I went. All I can hear was, fight, Scorpion, Sub-Zero. <laughs> That's a little, that, that doesn't hold up either. My biggest thing in that scene is when she's spinning a bath mortar around and she's going. <laughs> oh, yeah, that. So the, ay, 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 yeah, I'm like, okay. It reminds me of that scene from uh, Freddy versus Jason, where he's throwing Jason around like a uh, pinball machine. Tilt. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel where you're coming from on the uh, effects not holding up, but. I'm kind of getting to a point where I can't really count that against the movie. I mean, they were working with what they had at the time the best yeah. they could. It doesn't hold up, I agree. Um, but I, I'm hesitant to call stuff like that bad at this point because, I mean, they really did some groundbreaking work with this movie. And it looks bad now because we have better technology. So I think some things do look bad, even for the time. Maybe yeah. just the, the brownie stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. just so hard to do that at that time to do like if you think the brownies look bad in this you should see what they did in the behind the scenes and they green screen them into like the set that they're working on like a normal behind the scenes interview would go but they have like a barbie uh dream house behind them and shit it's it's kind of a funny interview they do but the unfortunately no special effects process can improve a bad attitude and a big ego. Step We're inside, dead. and then you'll Yo, you want to step inside? No, I can't. I'm too big. I'm too big to get into the little All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm sorry. It's not you. It's everything. I didn't mean to bite your head. One other uh, little bad thing, just nitpicking stuff. There is no fucking way in hell they dug holes to be able to hide horses and men outside that place within just an hour. I mean, there's like a hundred men straight up cavalry running in. Yes. How? That plan does not make sense. That that castle is like the tallest castle ever. They could see for miles. There's right. no there's no way you could do that without being seen. And yeah. it just doesn't even really make sense because you could just put your army there. Like there's a there's a horse. There's a horse that's laying under a tarp. Like, how do you make that horse lay down for that long to disguise it? There's no fucking way. Well, not only that, there's like 15 men come out of one hole. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, that That hole would have to be like 20 feet deep and like 100 yards long to but hide again, all these guys. You're right. But also the surprise of them jumping out of the hole doesn't give you an advantage. No, because they still are far away from the castle. You're not gaining anything by hiding them. Yeah, that's the next part. 
they send them out the drawbridge to go out to fight. At the time, the first fucking horse comes out of the ground. Raise the drawbridge. Game over. <laughs> game over, man. It's game over. It's <laughs> over. You're not coming in. And they I'm had, like, they had to send the guy that runs the drawbridge out with the other guys. So that's why they're, they're all standing <laughs> up <laughs> like, there. Wait, who knows how to use the drawbridge? I don't. Oh, he shit. Was, he the, he's the only guy. You got Kale yeah, yeah. up. You got Kale up on the thing. Kill them. <laughs> just, no, I agree. That was that was one of that my was bad. That bad, was some. La like, that's lazy writing. That was yeah. lazy writing by George well, that's, Lucas. Again, we, since we're in the bad zone, how's this baby gonna stop you? Maybe because when the, the baby prophecy. grows up. Yeah, as, when the yeah, baby the prophecy, grows up. right? But like, you have a long time. You, you know, to you can kill this baby when the baby's three, four, five, seven. You don't have to kill the baby right now. There's like put her in weird... the dungeon until she's 18 and or whatever, and then you just right. walk in and go stab, done. Right. We're not going to explain why this is. Why you know just do it. Yeah, we got we got no explanation about the whole ritual with the blood and the the red shit floating around in the room at the end when the lightning strikes her and all that stuff. There's nothing that describes the actual ritual of why they can't just kill the baby. Well, that's the other big problem I have with you know, uh, Bavmorta's death, and essentially, like, Willow, as much as I like the fact that Willow saves the day by just being himself, he doesn't have to use sorcery. He, he, he uses his own disappearing pig trick. Practical but, magic. But the fact is, Bavmorta seems to just give in to that really easy. It's like, she is an all-powerful power, so sorcerer. She, she didn't see the disappearing pig trick coming like it just seems so ridiculous in her days on the sorcerer circuit when she first started out she didn't know the pig trick come on it is she is kind of gullible like for yeah. being this like wise like like you know super powerful sorceress like she's like Whoa. like yeah. a simple like sleight of hand oh my trick, God. Like, totally stumps her she's like how can this be this is impossible and and she dies but it's like it's almost like she just fucking stubs her toe falls over on the altar and then she dies it's like nothing nothing substantial kills yeah, her the blood spills and then she's dead yeah there's a lot of there's yeah, a lot of really muddy stuff with the magic lazy writing george lucas sorry i know you watch the show weekly but Typical i'm sorry george lucas ladies and gentlemen our guest george lucas <laughs> oh sorry george my my last part of my bad for this movie is going to be Eric. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not Eric, but not Eric. Not, not you, Eric. Eric. <laughs> <laughs> From the moment we are introduced to Eric, he is a downer. He has nothing positive to say. Sit in your coffin and rot. Every response he You're has to something is just like, Oh, no, we're not going to win. We might as well just not even try. Like, he is such... <laughs> He's not going to help you, Peck. He's a worthless thief. It wouldn't bother me so much if it weren't for the fact that Eric gets a fucking hero's death at the in, in the last battle. Yeah. yeah. He, he yeah. dies at the hands of, of uh, Kale, and it's made to seem like... Oh my god, we just lost somebody so endearing because he's a good guy. No, this dude's been a downer the entire movie. Like, fuck him. Well, <laughs> it's similar to the stuff we were talking about with Sorsha and with the with the prophecy and the magic. It's it's they're giving us these moments that we're used to and we're familiar with these moments. Like you said, the hero's death, yeah. the prophecy, the this, the that. we we know these moments from other films and, and we, we we know how to feel when they happen. Right. 
but they're not set up they're not the, the the they're not payoffs to something that was set up properly beforehand they're just sort of there so it lacks a little bit of depth and it lacks a little bit of uh setup you know yeah and the only thing i could draw from eric's character is you know he's been in battle with all all the stuff that's been happening that we haven't been seeing i've lost more than half my men fighting bat morta that you and this pack are going to take her on he he's just done nothing but lose this entire movie so he probably has every right to feel like they're just going to lose all the time but it doesn't make me feel any better at the end win this whole for me I don't i don't feel bad that this dude's dying right now like it's just a bad character arc it's a bad character in the movie in, in my opinion hey is that guy is he the same guy who plays in superman 3 he is yeah and he's the one that richard pryor gets drunk in order to get into the computer system there in His the small brad you never do pass out do you nope Brad, yes, Brad, dude. Now I hate Eric even more because that character was horrible in that movie. It's horrible in this one too. Fucking Brad, Brad and Eric's. Are we getting ugly? Because I have something for ugly. I don't really have much to say as far as ugly goes in this movie, but Eric, I'll throw it over to you. I want to talk about this baby doll everyone's carrying around throughout the movie. Uh, <laughs> if this were a baby would have died 50 times through the course of this film i'm watching this baby's neck snap left and right yeah survives multiple crashes into things falling out of things jumping They're the wagon the baby and the, the head's just bopping around all over the place <laughs> when, when, Kale, when kale's riding away with the baby yeah. you can see it just flopping around <laughs> well not that like the, the wagon scene when it hits the, the piece the log in there yeah. and yep. flying through the air the baby should have been flying through the air too I mean, you can yeah. you can take this all the way back to the the moment that baby's put on that flotation device, it would have drowned. <laughs> the magic of Alora is is that she's like in, indestructible, like she's yeah. like the world's strongest baby. She just wards off bad things. In that case, yeah. she could have just warded off everything that happened in this movie. In just leave logic. her in a field. Yeah, it'll be fine. She's fine. <laughs> the midwife or whatever it is that takes the baby, like she has the baby right there as bab morta is walking into the cell and by the time bab morta realizes yep. the baby's gone she's halfway across the shire like the the security in this dungeon that that a, a, a midwife can you're you're collecting baby babies right yeah. <laughs> like your your sole goal here is to collect babies and you've got a midwife that's allowed to come in and deliver babies yeah. and she's walking out with a package that clearly could hide a baby and yeah. nobody checked it right. at any point throughout the entire gigantic <sighs> you know castle she's dungeon she's like oh i'm just standing here with this uh basket with a just bunch got my, of just got my dirty laundry it. dirty laundry that's all this yeah. is dirty laundry it's, it's crying <laughs> yeah my my laundry's crying don't don't worry worry about it <laughs> what was that don't nothing just my laundry all right, well, that's our good, the bad, and the ugly for Willow. And uh, again, we're going to try something new here at the end. We got a little rating system thing we're going to do, and we're going to wrap up what we thought overall of Willow. I'm going to throw it to Eric and Jason, and I'm also going to give a number from 1 to 100. We're going to score Willow, and we're going to kind of keep score of the movies we watched throughout the year. And at the end of the year, we'll have a little discussion about the movies we rated the highest throughout this year. So, Eric, why don't you go ahead and wrap up your thoughts on Willow and go ahead and throw out a number just to whatever your number from one to 100 would be for willow uh you know as we discuss there's some logistical questions there's some some things that maybe aren't set up 
or explained as well as they could be in Willow, but I think just the, the cast, the art direction, the music, and, and just the direction of the film is, is, is enough fun and wonder to be a really great feel-good watch. It makes me happy watching it. I don't know if it's nostalgia. I think Val Kilmer and, and Warwick Davis just bring a lot of life to this movie and they're just fun to be with. Yeah, so I'm thinking, uh, I'm gonna give it a 75. Jason, you wanna go next? My wrap up of the film would be, uh, it was a good time to watch it 20 years something so years later. Uh, I, I still enjoy 35 the... years. No, I'm talking about for oh, myself. Okay. <laughs> it's probably been 20 years since I watched it last. Right? <laughs> okay. Revisiting these characters, Mad Mardigan, Willow, uh, General Kale. Still love the Kale mask. Still love the fun of it. Like you said, it definitely has that Indiana uh, Jones type feel to it. Mixed in with a little bit of Ten Commandments, stuff like that. The special effects were cool back then. I was a little disappointed watching it now. And they just don't hold up like they did. Give it another watch. I know you got the show out. Watch this and then watch the show. Far as my score is funny, you said seventy-five because I wrote down seventy-seven. <laughs> a good solid seventy-seven. Okay, seventy-seven for Jason. I feel the same way you guys do. Going back to it this time, it's it's one of those that I don't revisit often, and it's funny because I loved this movie as a kid and I watched it a yeah. lot. But as an adult, I haven't revisited it a whole lot. Like I said in the beginning, I was a little hesitant to watch the movie uh, when we decided we were going to watch it, and. I walked away from it having a blast, man. I think Warwick Davis's performance is is amazing. Like, I just for the fact that that's his first real time in front of the camera in a leading role, he, he kills it, man. I think he does a great yeah. job. I was lukewarm on the brownies as a kid. I did not like them. Watching it this time, the brownies just made me laugh the whole time. The effects don't hold up, as you guys say, but that didn't deter me from laughing my ass off at them. Kevin right. Pollock is, is great as rule. Rule rules! So, and O'Doyle rules. <laughs> Let us know if you're watching the show in the comments below. Let us know if it's good. I mean, we we've slept on it at this point, but I'll probably go give it a watch now. So my my score would be a uh, 72. Given Willow. Wow, 70. I gave the highest score. Split I thought I literally thought you guys were gonna go in the 80s. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna be the guy that's just a Debbie Downer here, but it's actually Josh. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, that's just the number that came to mind for me. Pretty close. I mean, we, we average out to three out of four stars here, basically. The VHS files overall score for Willow, 224. 224 for Willow. So we'll revisit that at the end of the year and see where it lies on the movies we've watched throughout the year. But that's going to do it for our discussion about Willow. Uh, please tell us in the comments below. What's your good, the bad, and the ugly with Willow? Do you like the stuff we like? Do you not like some of the stuff we liked? What's your bad? What's your ugly? Let us know in the comments below. We'd love to talk about Willow with you. Make sure you go to Redbubble and get some merch. You know, you got to represent VHS files with that merchandise. So uh, go to Redbubble, pick up some VHS files merch. Visit our friends at Cavity Colors. Get 10% off your order with the code VHS Files Podcast. And until next time, be kind. Rewind! Yeah. God, you just reminded me of the baby in uh, American Sniper. Have you seen American Sniper? Oh, I, I I heard of that. I never saw that movie, but I did hear about the, the fake baby in that. Yeah. There's a pretty bad scene with a fake baby in that. It's... Ooh, but uh, anyway, top I'm four topic. fake babies in film. <laughs> there we go. <laughs>
Put it on oh. the list. It's funny. Uh, <laughs> my my wife and I, Kayla, uh, we hate it when a baby's introduced in a show or a movie. We're just it's become a thing now. We're like, oh baby, like now these people have this baby they have to take care of. It's like such a, a nuisance. You have to like, you know, if it if it's a some kind of survival or action movie, it's like it severely limits what you can do. It can't be quiet, so you can't sneak around because you got this baby. It's like anytime there's a baby introduced, you're just like, Ugh. yeah, that that the, it's like a trope that I'm just sick of. 